0: What is up? What is up? How's everyone doing on a absurdly hot Friday, July 9th? This is this is toasty. Um, I want to get right to the NBA Finals. I want to talk about a few things. More draft rumors, more interesting um, things coming up. SGA? On the move, maybe? Why? We'll talk about it. Um, but then, then really wanted to get to uh, just talking about the Finals so far. Uh, where does this rank kind of all time, this series so far, this matchup? How is this going to be looked on uh, historically? <clears throat> so, I think right off the bat, the NBA tends to run through dynasties. What I mean by that is you have um, a team that kind of, you know, is the top team over a certain number of years, and then. They kind of die down, and then there's usually a small gap period. Another team rises up, or even a couple teams that that rise simultaneously and they win in alternate years. Um, so you know, let's, let's walk through it, right? So, obviously, starting in the '80s, just to make it clean, was a really unique period because you basically had two teams, um, three, I guess, if you count the Pistons. Win each year of the decade. Well, I guess the Sixers did here and there as well. But you you had the Lakers and and the Celtics as the main teams. and then you kind of had a random title winner here or there, right? So the Sixers, I would say, the year they won it is a random title winner. I understand they they dominate. I'm not saying, random does not mean bad. It just means a team outside of the dynasty teams that won. Uh, and that's typically how it works. You have your main your main team that that runs. You know, the Celtics won a few years. Lakers won a few years. So and then it gets bookended, right? So the Sixers at the front, um, you know, they do the faux faux faux. They got they got a, a slot in there. They win, and at the end of it, the Lakers are defeated by Detroit um, at the back end. So that's how you typically see uh, some of these. I would say some of these series work, right? And, and then Detroit gets a, makes a, a mini run. It's a mini-run, I would say two years, which, which, you know, counts. And they have teams that are still good during that time, but, but again, they don't um, they don't win. Uh, they don't have the random years, right? So then the Bulls go on their run. Houston gets a, a Detroit-like two-year stint, and, again, that's because they're in between dynasties, really in between the two Bulls dynasties because of Jordan. Bulls go run again. Bull sequences then to two teams that rise simultaneously at the same time. Who, and that's the Lakers and the Spurs, who both um, are kind of the top two teams in terms of the dynasties uh, at that same time. That runs ninety-nine, either Lakers or Spurs, right, through uh, 2004, where now the Lakers are then finished again by Detroit. Uh, and again, Detroit then becomes a random title winner. So that's another one. That's, that's a, a random title winner. But again, both teams weren't random, right? The Lakers had their run. And similarly with the Sixers, as I mentioned, the 80s, not both teams were random. Only the um, only the Sixers were random. So it's rare that you have, there's a long-winded way of saying, where they have two random teams, i.e. two teams that weren't on a dynasty run in the finals. It's rare, okay? Um, the only time you really have it is then later in the, in the 2000s, you have it, I would say, Dallas-Miami. And Dallas-Miami is a random matchup for a few reasons, mainly because the way Dallas gets there, they have a uh, a crazy, uh, really unexpected underdog uh, route um, against San Antonio. Dirk Nowitzki with tremendous performance in Game 7. They win on the road. Um, and they're not favored in that series. San Antonio... Uh, was really part of that dynasty run at that time, Dallas stuck through. Okay. And then on the flip, Miami pulled the 2008 Celtics to an extent, and they they got a team that just had like a one-year run. We have one year that this is going to work. Really weird when you see in terms of like rebuilding teams, the teams that go for now, typically teams that have a short window, it's longer than a year, right? Like even the the Celtics um, when they got the big 3 in 08, had a, had a three-year window. 2008, they win. Great. 2009, KG gets hurt. I still maintain they should have and could have won that year. 2010, they make the finals, but they lose in, in seven games. So they had a shot on that series. And again, you can make the argument Perkins was healthy. Again, the, you know, ifs and buts are candies and nuts. Um, obviously not, not the case. So it is rare that you have two random teams, i.e., and maybe "random" is not the right word. I'm still going to use it. It's the best way to describe it. Two teams that um, probably shouldn't be uh, in the finals to an extent, right? There's not, neither one is part of some kind of dynastic run, if you will, or seems to be part of a dynastic run, if we're being honest. But they're they're winning. They're finding a way. Okay, that's um, that's really a, the, the big difference here. So 2006 is one. And then again, in, in, in 07, San Antonio is now back at it. Cleveland's now starting their rise a little bit, or at least LeBron is. He's kind of his own individual dynasty. It's weird to say, but it's true. Um you never had that before. He's really his own his own dynasty. Um so 07, the 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 Spurs then run through it. LeBron goes to Miami. Miami now starts a dynastic run. Okay. That's obviously followed by um, Golden State's dynastic run. And again, even if you don't win, doesn't mean you're not on a dynastic run. Dynastic run means you're the best team in the NBA uh, for for at least a good three year period. Okay, you're clearly the number one team, and you're making at least a finals appearance or winning each of those years, two to three years. Okay, two to three years. So. Miami has their little run. The weird part now is, I think, you know, you go through every single year, but, 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 Golden State, Golden State, Golden State, right? Even with Toronto one, they're, they're, they're fighting through Golden State. Again, that's post San Antonio, Miami is in Golden State for clear, uh, what is it? Five years, really, because they made the finals in 2019. Again, if if they were healthy, it would have been different. And then 2020 is the start of some new Dynasties. I'm giving a different name to it. Um, and the question is, right, who are they? So, you know, the Lakers with LeBron and AD. Again, similar, I would put that in the 08 Celtics camp where you feel like that's a shorter window. Three, four years. Um, and they win in 2020. It looks like that's the start of a run. Then 2021, I would say Brooklyn with the big three looks like the start of the run. So, ideally... Um, you would think in 2021, one of, and again, I can't even throw the Clippers in there. You know, maybe that, that could have been the start of a run. You had the sense that one of the L.A. teams, and on the East, either Brooklyn was going to start a run. So those a very unique finals that neither of the L.A. teams, which looked like they were going to start a, a, a some sort of dynastic run, or Brooklyn was in the finals. And I think it's going to look in that way like an aberration. It's going to look like a weird year in retrospect. Like Brooklyn played, remember when Milwaukee played Phoenix? And in hindsight, and I know, like, look, I, I play both sides of this fence. So, first of all, I'm very anti the sentiment of, like, oh, man, this has got to be terrible for the NBA. Right? We're like, especially when that's coming from ESPN folks like Max Kellerman and those guys, you need to be vouching hard for the league. I mean, it's on your network. <coughs> and. <coughs> It's not like the finals is um, void of any star talent. I mean, you have a reigning two-time MVP uh, on one side, and then the other side is arguably the third-best point guard of all time. So that's a nice little storyline, but to not get one of this nasty Brooklyn team, really strange. And I don't think it's going to occur moving forward. I don't think, you know, uh, people... There's an argument to this where people are like, oh, not, not a rush for Milwaukee or Phoenix. Not a rush, right? Milwaukee, relatively young. They're going to play it back. Everything's going to be fine. Phoenix, same thing. They, they're they super young. They're only going to get better. No. You got a chance to win the title this year. You might not get another look. I don't think Phoenix is making the finals again. Period. With this core, at least, for, I don't know, I don't think they will. I honestly don't, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm saying that because the Lakers are going to be a lot better, as is the Clippers, if they if they maintain their roster. And then the other teams are coming up. Denver is going to start rising a little bit. Michael Porter Jr. is going to get better. Jamal Murray was hurt. So let's just be honest with ourselves. This was a fluky year. We have to acknowledge it. All right? Everyone, Phoenix, in retrospect, they looked like they had the hardest road, but that wasn't the case. They get a, uh, you know, a tumbling AD in round one. Um, they, you know, they don't, they miss, they skip Kawhi Leonard. That ends up being, uh, and then with Denver, you know, Jamal Murray is, isn't healthy, um, they swept Denver. That's impressive. It's an impressive run. That doesn't mean it wasn't you know, it was a weird, it was almost like college basketball where like the matchups matter and these random teams get in it. So this is not, this is abnormal. Does it worth an asterisk? No. Injuries happen. They happen a lot more this year. And Milwaukee's not getting by Philly without some of those injuries. uh, Particularly Danny Green, I think that series Philly had a unique, weird thing. If they had an advance and they beat in Atlanta, I think that's a better matchup. Um, yeah, you know, they're able to, to bypass Philly, basically, playing Atlanta. That was really weird. Um, I, I don't think Milwaukee advances if they play Philly. Um, they definitely don't advance if they play, if anybody in Brooklyn was healthy for the start of the series. Uh, so, really weird. It's a weird finals. It looks like Phoenix is going to take this thing. They're up 2-0. For for sure, Milwaukee could come back. I think it's a strange finals. And again, it's weird because it's the first time since 2006. And before 2006, I don't think it happened since the 70s. So since 1980, this is the second time where you have two non-dynastic teams, either the start of a dynasty, what looks like the start of a dynasty, or the end of a dynasty, in the finals, oh for two, the other one being Dallas Miami, underratedly underrated how random that finals was underrated. Um, moving on to the draft and some rumors for draft day. So, a lot of chatter on number one. A lot of teams fighting for number one. Um, the biggest thing going on for number one right now is OKC with with uh, Cunningham. I think ownership really wants them. They want to have a tie into the local community. This is the first and a rare shot of getting a local talent that could connect with community that's from your area. I think Detroit needs to take advantage of the situation. What made look a lot of people are always afraid of dealing with the number one pick. But most times when you've seen the number one pick get dealt. The team that does the better end of it is the other team. The team that trades the number one pick usually does real well. Like, really well. Okay? Do we have a lot of um, knowledge of this? We have three case studies. Three. Okay. In recent NBA history, the Celtics have the number one pick with Danny Ainge, Colangelo, Philly had three. They swapped. Celtics swapped Fultz for Tatum. Uh, or sorry, swapped picks. And got a future Sacramento pick. Now, I get it. I get it. The Sacramento pick was 14. Or sorry, it was a Memphis pick, rather. Whatever you want. It was a late pick. How good was that pick? You know, they were actually better than we anticipated. Uh, Memphis was. I, I'd still counter... Um, We got Naismith or Langford, one of them, with that pick. Um, That's a solid pick. We'll see how that player does. Um, But, again, Tatum was better than than Fultz. Um, And a fit better. The fit was better. Now, the other big one is obviously uh, the 93 draft. Uh, Chris Webber and Penny Hardaway swapping around. Um, Orlando... Got a a boatload of future firsts, people forget about, from Golden State in that deal. So they did better. Uh, And then Weber, you know, a little bit of a prima donna early in his career, demanded out, didn't really fit well. Um, So Orlando did great in that deal. And then the famous one that the old-timers like talking about is Red Orbach uh, had the number one pick. And I'm going to get the year wrong. I think it was 82? Sometime in the 80s. They drafted Joe Barry Carroll and traded them, traded Joe Barry Carroll to Golden State for Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish, the Chief. So, everybody that dealt the number one pick, when you had the number one and you dealt it, you did well. Take advantage of these teams that are enamored. So, Detroit's in a unique situation. Okay, a couple things. First of all, Cunningham, what What kind of player is he? What's his potential? What's his range? Well, he seems like an on-the-ball guy. He could shoot, but he seems like a guy who's going to need the ball in his hands. Is it like as much as Harden? We don't know. Luca level? I don't know. Grant Hill level? I don't know. There's a lot of times when you have a player coming out and he's the ball in his hands that it works. I just named a bunch. There's times where it does not work. I remember when Evan Turner was coming out, I thought he was going to be like Grant Hill. That was not the case. Um... Tyreek Evans started off well, did not end well, right? Now, Cunningham is a better shooter than Turner or Evans, so that helps. But it's not always a, a definite, okay? And if you want to take advantage of a situation, this is how you do it. So uh, who is definite is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. SGA is, um, you know, he's he's more positive than, uh, you know, 100% proof. He's like Vodka. So if you can get a like SGA, who's similar to Kate, SGA improved his three-point shot, he can carry an offense, he's still young, very similar, right? Now, worst case scenario, if, even if even if Kate's a superstar, if Cunningham's a superstar, how much better is than, than SGA? I don't know. But you're not just getting SGA, it wouldn't be a swap. I think you could you could you could get quite a lot from OKC. So remember, OKC now has a six pick. So, six picks are extremely valuable. And for a team like Detroit, they need more players. They just need more talent, right? You're not going to win games with, with the talent that they have. You got to keep going for talent. So, if you can get SGA, who's now a more sure thing at point guard, he's a big point guard. Um, people get him. Uh, you know, I think he'll work well with Casey. He's still young. He's still built a core around him. And then you have the six pick to get another wing like a Moses Moody. I mean, in general, it's just a scenario that makes a lot more sense for them uh, long term. It, it honestly does, right? It's not a, you know, it, it's a pretty clean, I would say, realistic concept. But they can and uh, and should be able to deploy. So that's one. That's one quick aspect, right? Okay, that to me is the main thing. Like, who's going to? Go after? I think I think Detroit needs to run after this guy. Um, but now that's not that's not even it. I could probably get more. Again, OKC has a boatload of firsts. So again, more questions. What? How many? What other firsts can I get outside? I probably could get some more. They have they have the uh, uh, you know. Can I get Houston's pick? Can I do swaps? I can start doing some more interesting stuff, and that's just the baseline. SGA in the six is the baseline. I can get more. And by the way, if I'm getting SGA, yeah, I'm open to giving you Hayes. So now, how about this? I'm gonna give you uh, Cade. I'm gonna give you Hayes. And now, I, I, you know, I want some some more, so I can get a boatload of assets. I think Detroit needs to rethink this. You know, I know it's risky to deal the number one pick, but everyone who deals it makes out. They have a chance to now get multiple picks down the line, really build out the future of this franchise. This is how you do it. And again, Detroit. If you wanted to rebuild, how come they didn't deal Jerry and Grant? Right? They didn't deal Grant. They didn't deal Plumley. It tells me they, you know, are trying to have their cake in the two. Fine. This is, they could really ramp up well, ramp up quickly uh, in such a scenario. So that is... The Detroit angle. Toronto is obviously all over this thing. Um, someone's got to do a deal with Golden State with this package of Weissman and 7. Right? I, I think Siakam... I, Toronto's got to take advantage of this. Alright? They want to rebuild. This is the time to do it. I know... Does Golden State do better than Siakam? I don't know. I, I'm not taking that risk from Toronto. Siakam's 26, 27. He's not as good as people think. He's not a number one guy on the team. He's a complimentary piece. They're not there yet. They need to start, you know, getting towards the lotto thinking that way. So those are the areas I, I really foresee in the draft. The other thing I, I would, I would, some honorable considerations are teams that consider moving down. So Cleveland at three, right? Cleveland should not go after SGA, uh, three freshmen doesn't make any sense. Cleveland has two point guards in their backcourt. None of that makes sense, right? They obviously want to move Sexton and Love. That's tough to do. If I'm Cleveland, again, people should look at the draft. It was like, let's get multiples. Let's get multiple players. It is a different draft. If I'm Cleveland, I'm not going after Jalen Green either. He doesn't fit. I'm going to have a penetrating, you know, one, two, and three. And again, the reason why people have to think this way, and I want to be, you know, hyper-focused on this point. The reason why people need to think this way is because you you don't need one player. Take a shot at a few. So if I'm Cleveland, I'm moving down. I'm moving back. I want Orlando's two first. Orlando's got five and eight. Give me five and eight for three all day. I got a combination of Scottie Barnes, Kuzminga, uh, Moody, Book Knight. I get two of those guys. Sign me up. Especially if Green is there. I have no use for Suggs. I have two point guards. Green is a complete high-risk, high-reward shot in the dark. I don't know if I'm comfortable doing that if I'm Cleveland. He doesn't even fit with my backcourt. So that's 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 essentially what I do, right, um, if I'm some of those top teams. Now, Orlando, does it make sense on their angle? I don't know if it does. They're probably better off themselves just keeping those picks. I'm just saying what I'm doing in the, in the teams that have the higher picks. Um, it becomes simple for Houston. They just draft Mobley and call it a day, quite frankly. They should draft Mobley and deal Christian Wood to New Orleans for the 10th pick as Steven Adams, and then get a wing out of, out of, out of that pick. That would be smart for, for Houston. But just some of the ideas popping out with some of the, the lower teams. Um, really appreciate everyone's time. Everyone have a great weekend, and uh, and we'll speak soon.